Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze, where we take a nostalgic look at a random football magazine from the past. I'm Andy Smith, aka Scotch Footy Cards on Twitter, and with me is Tom Brogan. Hello! Each episode, we'll invite a special guest to join us in trawling through the magazine and discuss anything contained within it. This could be anything from an article, to a photograph, to a competition, to an advert. Basically, if it's in it, then we'll talk about it. So sit back and let's shoot the breeze. Wriggles clear, might just get the chip and he does, he's scored! Oh, what a great back And this week's guest is Wraith Rovers legend and man of many clubs, Ali Graham. Hello there, guys. How are we? Welcome, very Ali. Good. Very good and very welcome Thank to you. you. Thank you for joining us today. Um, so we, we've picked um, Shoot magazine, surprise, surprise, uh, from the 11th of May 1985 for you. So right. we're, we're going to... Um, so I've got, I've got the, the actual magazine here. So I should have just sent that to Mojo. you. You could have... Mojo on the front. So the front cover's got a, the main photo of Celtic's Mo Johnson. And he's in the C.R. Smith um, strip, the sponsor then. There's a Adidas Tango ball and he's wearing Puma boots as well. Nike um, it's boots. A, what's that? Nike boots. Are they Nike? Oh. Are they? Go upside down. Are they Nike? Ah, they're Nike boots, aye. They're Morris Johnson wore what? Nike boots, aye. What, why am I, what am I thinking they're Puma boots for? No idea. Because yeah, you can see the swish. Oh, yeah. You remember Tom that I played with Morris, and I can't remember what boots he wore. Later on at Falkirk, so that was a way to start in '85, obviously. Right. See, Tom, Tom, Tom's fact checked me before these shows start, and he's not <laughs> done a very good job so far. Uh, so it's text says Mo Johnson, no Playboy. Um, the the price of the magazine is 35 pence, and it says super colour. So it's saying it's not even just colour. Wednesday, Wonderman. So I look at Sheffield Wednesday and uh, O'Leary decision. And it says, I'll finish at Arsenal. And there's a photo there as well of uh, David O'Leary at Arsenal. Um, Butcher Blast, it says, we'll stay up at Switch Town. And another photo of Terry Butcher there. And a classic, you know, punching into the fist sort of pose. Uh, Target Man spies on Brian Robson. And there's a Levi's competition as well. So there's quite a lot going on in the front page here. 1985, you know, it's still got quite a, a big um, picture on the front, but there's a lot of features they're talking about as well, and it's quite colourful. Why do you think then, with all the features for the shoot annual and the magazine, and it's Mojo in the front then, with Celtic, but maybe at that time, you know, can I just, before this, obviously just before the soonest era came in, am I right yeah. saying that? Yeah, 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 it would have been. I think it was just, um, it was... I mean, it says Mo Johnson, no playboy, but he was a bit of a playboy at the time, you know. There's, there's no doubt, there's no doubt about that. Um, but you, you've seen it yourself, and we've gone about it all the time. There was a lot of Scottish content for it yeah. back then, you know. So that there was a lot going on. There was, um, you know, probably around about the time where English clubs started getting banned for Europe as well. So there was a lot more, a lot more feature on on Scottish football, and there was, you know, obviously. Yeah. You had Butcher there himself and start, starting to come up. So certainly back then, I think there was still an appreciation of Scottish football down south. 
and don't forget as well, I mean, earlier on in my Clyde Bank days when I was a boy, I kind of made my debut in 84, so that had been a year before that. Yeah. I'm trying to just think of the 85 era because there was a, that was when the, before the Sooners thing came up mm-hmm. and the Bankies were obviously in the Premier League. Yeah. Yes. So that was the big buzz then, you know, because Sooners had brought all the top English internationalists up with them. Yeah. So it's run about that kind of era, kind of, it's pretty fascinating. So you played a couple of times in the Premier League for Clyde Bank, eh, Ali? I did, yeah. I, I made my debut in '84 against Clyde, um, which was a, a big learning curve. Um, having played with Annie's Land United, obviously we were we were farmed out to Annie's Land to Clyde Bank. Um, we had a lot of good players in my team, and we we kind of won most tournaments that we took part in. Right. But just getting through in the deep end against Clyde against so I always remember it's Paul Flex and Brian Ahern were the two kind of centre half sweeper. And Paul had been playing under twenty yep. ones with Scotland at the time. Yeah. And it was a big, big learning curve for me because um, I think we Jerry McCabe scored. It might have been Derek, uh, Jerry Ronald. Jerry Ronald, Derek yeah, it was. We could beat 2-1. Mm. Um, so I couldn't have done too well. I, I played against Hibs in St Mirren that season. Aye, but it, was a, it was a real learning curve for me. Mm. OK, so we're going to jump inside and we're on pages two and three. And this is a David Deleary and it says, I'll finish with Arsenal. So D- David Deleary, once billed as Europe's best centre-half, pulls no punches in this article. A question and answer article with the Arsenal star. So it's one of these, you know, the, the shoot magazines asking yep. a question and he just gives his responses. So the question is, why are you so annoyed about not getting a testimonial? And David says, I've remained loyal to Arsenal. Frank Stapleton went to Man United. Liam Brady went to Italy. I stayed. Peter Simpson, Pat Rice, Sammy Nelson, John Radford, Peter Story, they all had testimonials. So he, he obviously sounded a bit, a bit, wee bit bitter at this point of that. But a spoiler, he did eventually get his testimonial on the 5th of August, 1986. And it was against Celtic. Um, so, and Celtic won that one 2-0. So he did have to wait another year for that. He said, what is your most vivid memory in your time at Arsenal? He says, my first game against Burnley. Bertie Mee said he'd give me a run of four games. I ended up playing 34 that season. That's making an impact, that, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it says, what, what's your greatest strength as a player? And he says, my pace. Malcolm McDonald could beat me over 100 metres, but I beat him over 400. Now, the, the point I'm making in this is, there's no football <laughs> field that's 400 metres, so I think Malcolm Malcolm's always going to win that one, isn't he? Uh, Absolutely. It's yeah. an interesting thing as well, guys. I mean, reading the, the, the David O'Leary's career and knowing that he played that, I mean, I had no clue that I got 700-odd games because yeah, he did yeah, over yeah. 700-odd games for them. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And you think his career as well, you know, you look at the big McGrath, maybe, the Republic of Ireland, you know, yeah. the American rugged features and things. He must have been a fantastic player to play that amount of games for Arsenal. Mm. Yeah, it was 722, I think, we've got down yeah. here that he played for, um, which is just astounding. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So... He says, who's the best striker you've faced? And he says, playing for the Republic of Ireland, this 17-year-old came on in the second half of a game in Dublin as a substitute. He was unbelievable. I couldn't get near him. I discovered afterwards that his name was Diego Maradona. So that, that's that's not bad, that as well, isn't it? Um, so would that have been about the time when, when, when he played at Hamden as well against Scotland? It was, aye. It was the same, it was the same yeah. week. Aye, it was about two days later he played at Hamden. Yeah, you're right, Ali. I think every man and his dog went to that game. From yeah. you know, as soon as there's a somebody posts about that on Twitter, it's I was there, I was there. It's one of those games. <laughs> uh, It'd be fascinating to see the crowd that day. <laughs> so. Uh, so in the article, it talks of David Deleary only leaving his beloved Arsenal when the management have no further use for him. 
And he says, I want to play football until I'm 35 and I want to finish at Arsenal. Now, we know with hindsight that didn't happen because he obviously went to Leeds United and um, had a lot of spell there before moving into managing. So just a little um, profile on David. So David Anthony O'Leary, um, he was born in May 58. He was actually born in Stoke Newington in London. Um, so he spent 73 to 75 in the National Youth Team and then 75 to 93 playing for Arsenal. 93 to 95, he's, he played 12 league games for Leeds United. He's got 68 international caps for the Republic and one goal. And he managed Leeds United between 98 and 2002. Aston Villa between 2003 and 2006. And Al, I don't know. You want you have a go at that one, Tom? Al Ali. Al, Al Ali. Yeah, from Dubai. Um, Dubai. Dubai. So he managed them as well. Now he moved to moved from London to Dublin at the age of four. And he was the youngest person to reach 100 and 200 games. He made his 400th appearance, still aged only 26. And we've, we've, we've touched on the, the most appearances. He's made the most league appearances, 558, and overall 722. And he's made the most league cup appearances at 70 as well. I mean, so he joined Leeds United in a free transfer in 93 and retired aged 37 after an Achilles injury took its toll. So he actually played two years past his goal. So he was saying he wanted to play to 35. So he did not too bad from that. Uh, when did Leeds win the Premiership? 92, 93. It was, was no, 90, 91, 92. 91, 92. The last 91, 92. In the first division. I don't think he was there at that time. I think he just came after no. that. Yeah, he just came after that. But he won the first division with Arsenal. 88, 89 and 90, 91. He won the FA Cup twice. League Cup twice. And they shared the charity shield as well. Now, we've got this percentage win rate as manager is 44.28%, which I think is actually pretty decent. Not bad. Um, that's, that's, that's not bad at all. To be honest, whenever I've looked at win rates and managers in the past, you don't get very many of them over 50%, which is, you know, obviously it's the ones that you, yeah. you imagine it does it. Yeah, so move on to page four, and this is the reader's letter page. So there's only one I'm going to pick out from this. Um, so it's you and me from the editor's office, and it's the FA Challenge Trophy Final. It says, Shoot have offered £1 off any ticket for the up-and-coming FA Challenge Trophy at Wembley with a voucher you can cut out of the magazine. So it's got a wee voucher at the bottom here. And thankfully, and I've mentioned this a few times, the, the, the magazine I've got here still has a voucher. Now, if, if this was your magazine, Alan, if this was my magazine, if this was Tom's magazine, that voucher wouldn't be in it. You know, it's just... <laughs> what you know, the, the fact is, I, I've collected all these again over time. None of, the, none of the magazines were my original magazines. Some of the cards were, and that's what got me off in doing this stuff. But the magazines have pretty much been collected again. And it absolutely astonishes me that, that we guys who have these magazines don't pull out the, the centre pictures or leave the, 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 the league ladders with the tabs still on them and things like that. That's the first thing you would do. Yeah, well, obviously, when we were younger boys, and any time you get the shoot, the poster was up on the wall, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, it was somebody like Liverpool team or the Celtic team or whatever it was at the time. Yeah, yeah they up on your wall, didn't you? Yeah, using sellotape, which your mom wouldn't be too happy about. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, pull off the wood chip wallpaper, right? <laughs> <laughs> so on to page five, um, this is shoot views. So this is about hooliganism, and it says don't blame football. So obviously, this sort of period, there was lots of problems. It says football league clubs are reeling from the implications of Margaret Thatcher's package of measures aimed at stamping out soccer hooliganism. 
This is what she demanded after the sickening night of violence at the recent Luton Town versus Millwall game. And so there's a, there's a list of things here. Install more effective perimeter fencing around the pitches. Well, we know how that turned out. Speed up introduction of CCTV to identify offenders. Investigate introduction of identity cards for fans. Make more matches ticket only when trouble is expected. Open more family enclosures. Review rules under which clubs must take extra precautions when crowd trouble is likely. Ban sale and consumption of alcohol at problem grounds in England and Wales. Tougher laws and crowd control giving police more powers. Courts to take a stronger line with violent thugs. And the review of guidelines on licensing of football stadiums under the 1975 Safety of Sports Ground Act. Now, should say that there's not a true soccer fan who would argue against a crackdown in thugs and football. They, however, believe the government is wrong to lay all the blame at the door of the league clubs. How could Millwall have prevented moronic hooligans from destroying trains on the way to the Luton match? Clubs go to enormous lengths already to prevent hooliganism. Shoot appeals to the government to keep the violence issue in perspective and remember clubs go to great lengths to try and tackle hooliganism. I mean, it's a, it's a good point that... And it is one that goes on to these days, and um, probably not as bad as you know as it was back then. But you know, there's only so much. Back then as well, they had the football, they had the football trains. Remember, they used to have the specials. They yeah. used to run with just football supporters in it. Yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think they do. I think they did back then, um, and that obviously just seems to. Did they work for Millwall well, fans? <laughs> I, d- I don't know if anything did for Millwall fans, but it, it, that would sort of concentrate. But okay, you could then yeah. concentrate your effort on it. But yeah. there is this whole thing that the, the, the more the more you see of um, you know the the bright luminous yellow stuff like that, the more you're going to be antagonised by it. I mean, some some of the things yeah, absolutely. I mean, the 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 problem that was in British football, and you know, there the was Scottish football, but it certainly was um, probably more prevalent in English football. It was had to be yeah. had to be tackled somehow, and just unfortunate. If we get into an era then, Andy, where the obviously get into European football as well, and what happened in the tragedy with Liverpool and that kind of thing, if we get into that kind of date now. That is, yes. So I mean that that well, that's pretty much for me what what um, led to the the change in attitude and the change in at football was Hillsborough, was High Soul, yep. was all these yep. things, and absolutely. You know, it's just sad that I had to take those sort of events. Yeah, I mean, obviously the 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 Hillsborough thing was exacerbated by the the fact that the, the fencing had been put around pitches, you know, because of that, you know, not actual problems on the day itself, but you know, because of the hooliganism, it led to that, which then you know led to the the tragedy, which we know yeah. all about. But um, yeah. so so, but shoot, shoot are quite right here to say, you know, listen, yeah. it's not all about, and even today, it's like it's still. You know, trotted out that it's football that's a problem. It's not society's the problem. Yeah, um, totally agree. Yeah. So we're on to page six now, um, and it's four aces. Shoot predicts scores of four games, and it says you, the reader, can write down your own predictions followed by the actual results. So there's four league games: there's Liverpool, Chelsea, Norwich, Man United, uh, Spurs, Coventry, and Dundee United Rangers. So have you, have you got the results there as well? I might have. Can predict them. I might have. Okay, so we're giving you absolutely no context of what these teams were like in the day, so we'll, we'll just go. So Liverpool-Chelsea, shoot, predict 3-2. What are, you, what are you going for, Ali? Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool. Okay. Tom? 2 nothing. Well, you know the answers. <laughs> you know the answers, Tom. <laughs> Norwich City-Man United, shoot, are going for 2-2. 
2-0 Man United. Okay. What did you say for the first one again? Are you keeping track of this, Tom? 2-1 Liverpool. 2-1, 2-0. Spurs versus Coventry. Shooter going for a 4-1 demolition by Spurs. 3-0 Spurs. 3-0, okay. And Dundee United Rangers, they're going for a 2-1 win for Dundee United. I'll go for a 2-1 win for Rangers. Okay. <laughs> I heard something. <laughs> <laughs> right, Tom, do you want, to, you want to give us the actual results? Well, the actual results were Liverpool 4, Chelsea 3. So you got you got the win there. You got the right the right win no, just now. It was a few of the goals. VAR. Was VAR involved in the goals there? <laughs> uh, Norwich 0, Manchester United 1. No, we went for a 2 0 win, Man 2-0, United. 2 Yeah. Spurs 4, Coventry 2. Oh, so 3 0. They went for 4 1, you went for 3 0. Sort of a wee bit in the middle. Shoot got it spot on. Dundee United 2, Rangers 1. The Rangers have let you down. Dundee <laughs> United were aside in the 80s. Aye, aye. 80s especially, yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, that, that was a giveaway, the fact that they've went for that. That should have been your. But you, you, you got you got three three results, not exact. Um, score. You can't get a coup up anyway. So on pages six can and we, seven. Before we move on, Andy, can we just, can we just dip in and out of Ali's uh, playing career a wee bit? Uh, I know, Ali, you said earlier on you played with Mo Johnson. And I think it's probably easier to talk about the guys you didn't play with than the guys you did uh, through your through your career. But I just want to take you back to Clay Bank. Was Clay Bank a good place to yeah. start your career as a young as a young boy? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I felt hard done by it, to be honest with you, Tom. I, I felt I was banging in the goals for the reserves. Uh, reserves yeah. I think nowadays if you're banging in the goals for the reserves... Well, having said that, it's a wee bit different now, isn't it? Because the 20s league to the reserve league, and it's, it's maybe a wee bit different for you. When I was playing, I can remember Aberdeen coming down to play us at Kilbury and the first team were away to Petodre. That type of thing was happening yeah, on a yeah. Saturday, you know. But I just think it was a lot better for us because you learn more. Guys coming back for injury, suspensions, playing against Gordon Mays, Bobby Glennies, all these type of characters that were... Yeah. Big, rugged centre-backs, really toughened you up. And, mm. and I don't think the kids nowadays haven't been involved or used to be involved in that type of age group are getting the chance to, to go and express themselves. So I just think the way Clyde Bank played at the time, Sammy was a coach, Jack, obviously, you, you know yourself, yeah. kind of running a show. It was a wee bit kind of, if you can get a 4-5-1 formation where it was one up top and they were maybe more looking at the, the opposition not to get beat instead yeah. of going to try and win in the days so I don't think he gave me a ch- enough chances because I think as I went on in my career hmm. I think I can approve them wrong a wee bit Andy you know where if he'd stuck with me and maybe yeah. played two up front or maybe somebody off as it might have worked but no there's no regrets it was fantastic being there Mike Lamarck was brilliant brilliant hmm. ways you know Matt Trainer, great Jim Fallon and Wee Cabe still I still play with Wee Cabe at Dukla Pumferson so still <laughs> <laughs> Two hips he's had, and he still hits he's a number 10, you know what I mean? So, but no, it's fantastic. It was a great mm. learning curve. And by the way, a lot of people don't forget that Clydebank were in the Premier League at the time, the first division in the Premier League. Yeah. And we trained on that wee ash quarter park at the back of the, the hut. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. They've all got these big centres now. And we trained in an ash park at the back of the, the, the changing rooms, which was phenomenal for the team, really. Yeah. It wasn't even, because it was like a... Uh, it was a triangle shape. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even a real shape, but I don't know what it was. It was a goal. I know that. And then what they used to do was there was a big hill going up to the fence at the top. Aye, aye. The team that always get beat, which I was always in, had to do about four or five runs oh. up and down that hill. You know? that, yeah. was, that was a Thursday night. 
before the game on the Saturday, but not. It was great. They were great days. It was brilliant. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so we're back on pages six and seven, um, and it's Irwin at large. So again, this is just like little short um, articles and things like that. So I'm going to pick a few out. So Mark McGaughy to sign for Rangers. So this is Rangers are set to sign Linfield striker Mark McGaughy. He has scored more than 50 goals this season and is known as Northern Ireland's Ian Rush. Rangers coach John Haggart was impressed by the man in contention for the Adidas Golden Boot Award for top scorer. Uh, so th- this was back in the days where um, you know anybody um, scoring goals would, would get up for that. I think they, they stopped that after Alan McCoy won it a couple of years in a row, didn't they? The, the, yeah. Then it was like weighted by the league that you were in. Yeah. So, so Mark McGaugh here, he was born in Moneyria, Moneyria in um, County Down. I'm absolutely no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he signed for Linfield in 1977, making his debut in 1980-81 and finished his first season with 14 goals. He finished second in the Golden Shoe Race in 84-85 to Porto's Fernando Gomez. He scored 57 overall, 34 league goals. And his season was cut short due to a knee injury. He never left Northern Ireland and finished his career at Ards before retiring in 1994. He scored 317 goals in 533 league games, or 33 games for Linfield. That's not bad. Um, Absolutely. And he actually won one cap for Northern Ireland in a friendly against Israel in 1984. So it also mentions John Haggart there. So John Haggart... um, was born in November 1937. He sadly died June 2010. Um, he was from Edinburgh. He played for Berwick Rangers between 1661. He only had five league appearances, and that was that was um, his um, playing career of note. Um, but he, he managed Hearts from 74 to 77. He managed Falkirk from 79 to 82. He managed. He was reserve team coach at Rangers between 83 and 86. And he was a caretaker manager at Partick Thistle in 1987 as well. Quite yeah. familiar with that name, but I'm not familiar at all with, with, with the Northern Irish the boy. The first boy, yeah. I think I think I think the fact that he, he stayed there. I mean, it, yeah. it does seem uh, unless you make an effort, uh, you know, a deliberate effort to follow the Irish game, you don't hear but, anything about it over there. You would be you would be kind of it would be kind of ignorant no to recognise the amount of goals, goals that the boy was scoring. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're over here, a St Mirren or a Partick Thistle or whatever at the time, if they're in the top league, yeah, going for a guy like that, you know. I some I sometimes think that um, the way that we think that the English look on us is the way that we look on those leagues in the Welsh league and yeah. the, the Irish league and yeah. the, the league I on the and I, I think that's you know I, I don't even think that's del- deliberate um, mm-hmm. and it sort of makes me reconsider how I think the English look at you know it's like well. If they do it to yeah, us and we do it to somebody you. else, you know, I must admit, the last couple of few seasons, I've, I've said I'm going to make a conscious effort to to try and learn more about the Irish leagues um, because I think it's you know it's it's pretty much local to us, you know, in terms of things and absolutely, you know, absolutely nothing. But I think that's probably why he didn't, you know, us being as parochial as we are, he, he didn't come over here, he didn't go to England, so we don't know anything about him. No. Um, so John Haggart was um, so he was under Jock Wallace, um, but he left when Soonest arrived. Um, he was also yep. caretaker at Motherwell after Roy, Roger Hind resigned, and he was yep. assistant to Alan McLeod at the World Cup in '78. So he went to the World Cup with Scotland as Ali's assistant. Next week's story here: Spurs go for Don's duo. 
So Spurs are ready to launch a fresh bid for Willie Miller and Alex McLeish. Spurs boss Peter Shreves sees the Aberdeen duo as the ideal defensive partnership. Spurs were looking a good bet to win the league until injuries to Gary Stephen and Gary Mabbott, along with Graham Roberts' suspension. Spurs are also interested in Don striker Eric Black, although Chris Wardle of Newcastle United is their preference. Alex Ferguson said he will fight any moves for the Don's trio. Now, that, that would have been a hell of a defence. I mean, it was a hell of a defensive partnership. Well, I, I was fortunate enough to play against them in uh, the Albion Rovers in a, a League Cup game. Yeah. We, moved it. we moved the game to Fir Park. And at the time, Sheffield United were interested in me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we Bassett had come up to watch the game. So I'm up front myself against A2. <laughs> and then Robertson McKimmy left and right. Yeah. And I must say, I've, I've got to admit that I felt good against Big Alec, but Willie was clever. Willie would just come in in front of you and take the ball off you. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't get my move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, 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 must, he must have taken that into consideration, surely. I mean, that. Oh, that I can know that, but it was some experience. So we've got yeah. to do, and I think it was 4 0 or 4 1. I'd, I'd say that's actually pretty good against, against yeah, them. Yeah, they were top side, wouldn't yeah. they? Top side. Yeah. I mean, the, the just Willie Miller, and Alan, I've, I've always said about Alan McLeish, it was like just the fact that when he broke into the team. He just, he looked mature. He looked as though he was playing that position for years and he was he was still a young boy. Um, mm-hmm. But just, right. a, just a spoiler on this, uh, so Chris A. Waddle did move to Spurs in July of 1985, so he did move um, pretty soon after this. Yeah. And good, Sorry, were you going to say something, Yeah, I was going to ask Ali with Millen McLeish, did you enjoy playing against guys like that, like knowing you were going out to play against top-class guys? Did you enjoy going up against them more that you might have done guys that you could have in your pocket? Well, there wasn't many guys I had in my pocket. In the days, it was intimidation, wasn't it? I mean, you could intimidate guys before the, the ball was kicked. It seems to be different now, Tom, but, right. you know, I, I don't really grudge the, the guys that are up top themselves these days. I must admit, I, Edward at Celtic looks like an all-rounder, didn't he? He can do anything, hold yeah. it up, spin in behind, come short. He looks like the, the real deal, but... No, some of these experienced guys were fantastic. I'd mentioned uh, Gordon Ray earlier on in the game at Kilbury. And when I'd been playing with Clyde Bank, um, I remember a ball coming out of the box and me kind of trying to win a header. It kind of bounced away and got cleared back to the same area again. But me and Gordon Ray had hit the deck. The two of us had fell. So I, can't, I think it might have been Big Joe Dixon that went to play the ball back in again. But Gordon Ray sat on top of me. And just as he went to play it, he stood up and played me offside. A young boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was experience. Right. So Tom's right. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you get your own back in these guys. You do get your own back when you gain more experience. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me being younger and playing my first game for Aire United against Celtic, Paul Elliott, Mark, man, I don't think I won a header against him. I just came for part-time football to full-time football. That was mm. a couple of years later. Yeah. But Paul, Paul Elliott, uh, he was absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal to play against. I think he he just came from um, Italy as well, so he'd obviously. Yeah. Learned a lot there, and he was he was a special, he was an athlete, wasn't he? he? Was and that's the thing I was going to say to you as well. Going back to talking about uh, O'Leary, David O'Leary earlier on. I mean, Tom will be able to say as well that you're either aggressive, you're a good player, as I was saying, a good touch. Like Wally Muller, you know, Wally Muller was Alec McLeish was the aggressive one, mm. but Wally could be. But when you look at David O'Leary and you look at Paul Elliott, the mm. difference in the play, 
He must have been some ball player, David Alini, because he didn't look aggressive to me, but mm. he managed to play 720-odd games for Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a wee difference between the two of them, but still two fantastic players, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, OK, so we're on um, page six or seven at the moment, and it's this one's about Alex Taylor of Dundee United. So it says, Alex's prison break. So Dundee United winger Alex Taylor has a strange claim to fame. His footballing talents were first spotted while playing in a prison. He's quick to point out that he was not an inmate, but playing for his youth side against a team from Berlin. One of the prison prison officers, Davy Nicholl, tipped off his mate, Jim McLean, and he was soon snapped up. Now, we'll, we'll talk a wee bit about Alex in a wee minute in profile, but I remember a couple of times when I was, when I was younger, I was always playing. So I was a goalkeeper and I was always playing a couple of years higher than my age which at that age you know when you're 13 or 14 playing against 16 year olds and stuff but I kept getting asked if I could play at, at Berlini and I'm like no and I just that was the Ash Parks used to say that I, I, I didn't know that I just thought it was I thought it was going to be playing in the prison <laughs> and I was like no I don't want to do that <laughs> maybe maybe they, maybe they explained to me you know, and I, I, I don't I'll know. tell you something by the way you're right in saying that because when I was younger as well, I used to play there quite a lot. And the thought of that jail behind you, and you're a young guy, yeah. you think all oh, the bad guys in there. <laughs> it puts you off your game a wee bit, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so just on that, Alex Taylor, so he was a midfielder. He was born in June 62 and he's from Glasgow. He started off at Dundee United, 82 to 86. He made 33 league appearances. He moved to Hamilton Ackies where he made 67 league appearances. Moved down south to Walsall for couple of years, 45 league appearances there then he came back up for 90 to 93 at Falkirk, made just under 60 appearances there he had a loan spell and then moved permanent to Partick Thistle between 93 and 95 and he finished at Wraith Rovers, no he didn't yeah. finish at Wraith Rovers, he was at Wraith Rovers between 95 and 97, so Ross County after that and Forfar Athletic, so is that a name yeah. you would remember? I'm quite friendly with the E-Man and uh, we get back obviously a long way and uh, the stories he would tell you about his Dundee United days and the yeah. famous one with his father and Jim McLean obviously right. um, that was a uh, you know a, a kind of John Barnes moment if you like Are you, are you allowed uh, to tell us that one? Well he's, I think his old man had a, a wee dig at him you know so <laughs> I think was, uh, a wee thought we're not getting these games or whatever right. I don't know what the real reason was he never really divulged in that but um, I know that he had a wee go at him but Alec was a tremendous guy, fit, could play anywhere, yeah, a really good footballer, mm-hmm. came to Wraith Rovers, maybe an experienced player at that time when he came to Wraith Rovers. Yeah. And, um, but he just started doing that kind of, you know, the on the bike, swimming, running. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd shaved all the hairs in his body and he was fit. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you, he kept, his calf kept going and I'm saying, well, maybe it's because he ran, you know, 23 miles there a week there and you'd done 12 minutes, then you swam and, but no, he was a fantastic guy and yeah. a really, really good player. Really good at Wraith Rovers as well and played in the European, obviously, stage mm-hmm. as well with him. So. Yeah. Well, he was a SPFA Players Player of the Year in the First Division while at Hamilton Ackies. Did you know that? No, I wasn't. I'm surprised he's not mentioned it like 400 times. Well, do you know what? He was he was a quiet guy. Mm. He, wasn't, um, he didn't brag about his career or anything. He was quite a quiet guy and a really nice guy. Yeah. But no, he never, he never mentioned that one. Mm-hmm. All right. So he won... The Scottish First Division, 87-88 with Hamilton. And the Scottish Third Division, 98-99 with Ross County as well. So he still had a couple of titles in them there. So next one is Sunderland Search Scotland for Talent. 
So, so Sunderland have been searching the Scottish second division for a new striker. Names mentioned as being watched are Keith Wright, Wraith Rovers, Paul Smith, Wraith Rovers, and Bernie Slaven of Albion Rovers. And Bernie would go on to move to Middlesbrough later that year, making his debut in October against Leeds United. Albion chairman Tom Fagan demanded £40,000 for Slaven, which was considered a high price for someone of that level. Slaven refused to play for Rovers and a Sunday Post reporter wrote to 54 English and Scottish teams on his behalf. Middlesbrough responded to the letter with the offer of a two-week trial. He scored in one of those trial games against Bradford and Borough signed him up for £25,000. A few names you'll probably... Bernie was, um, Bernie was there the year, maybe two before me. I think big Tony Gallagher played with him as well. Mm-hmm. He's a big boy. Um, and scored a barrel of goals for, for Albion Rovers. So, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Did you ever play with Keith or Paul? No, I played against them. Right. Never played with them. Um, they were obviously with a long time before me. Mm-hmm. But Keith is a, another striker who, Dundee, you used to be able to hear Keith coming behind you because of the way he breathed. Is that right? <laughs> but Dundee and Hibs, phenomenal. And obviously Paul was... Was just a kind of journeyman striker who scored a few goals. He scored mm. a lot of goals for Wraith Rovers as well. Yeah, I think I think Keith is one of these players that quite a lot of people sort of think that he maybe should have got more, you know, international um, recognition and things like that. That yeah, you know, he certainly was a quality striker. Um, what do you think, Tom? I remember him playing against Clyde Bank in the Scottish Cup. Yeah, he yeah, hat trick. Yeah, no, he was he was he was a guy maybe like John Robertson as well. Didn't he get a a run in the Scotland team? When he, when he probably yeah. should have. Okay, do you think that then, guys? Because there was that many good strikers going about for yeah. Scotland at the time. Mm. There was well, that many good players. I mean, the man in the front cover here, Mo Johnson, is, you know, yeah. to, to displace him, you've got to be pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, so the next next one here we're looking at is Ian McCulloch forced to retire. So this is at Notch County. So Notch County striker Ian McCulloch has been forced to retire. He suffered a broken leg in a collision with Man United keeper Gary Bailey a year ago and has been told that he will not play again. So Ian's full name is one of these strange ones. So it's John Balfour McCulloch. So the Ian, I don't know where that comes from. Well, John, <laughs> John is a John and Ian are the same thing, is it? Is that right? Nah, I don't know. I'm making that up maybe. So he he was born in Kilmarnock. Um, he started at Halford. And he then moved to Kilmarnock in 73 to 78 and moved south to Notch County where he played 215 league games. So he was there for 78 to 84 and finished his career at Kettering Town. He had a couple of under-21 caps and he won promotion with Notch County 88 and 81 and was top scorer for the next two seasons. He was in the fringe so, of the Scotland uh, squad in 82. He was in mm-hmm. that original sort of 40 Squad of 40 yeah. before the World Cup finals get trimmed down to 22. I'm sure I remember seeing him in a maybe in a team photo or something like that. Yeah. One of the squad photos, maybe. Yeah. So tell me, guys, then, Tom, would, would Notch County have been a big side in the days? Aye, they were. They, they certainly had a spell in the first division. Uh, round about then, they were definitely in the first division for a yeah. season a season or two. Trying to think who. Gordon um, Mayer would have played that Gordon Mayer, are you? You played with Gordon Mayer at Air United, is that right, Ali? Yes, I did. Yeah, the winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, did he go to Bradford? I think he did, didn't he? He was a good player. Outside left. Yeah. I know you, um, Martin and Clyde Bank. He played at Clyde Bank as well. Um, that's where yeah, I remember him. He was, he was him, in so. Norris County when they were, when they were, doing, when they were doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, next little story here is Suffering Swales. So, this is about Peter Swales and Man City Chairman. It says, Man City Chairman Peter Swales hasn't touched a drop of the hard stuff since his side were relegated to the second division two years ago. He won't come off the wagon until City are back in the first division. Hmm. It looks like another year of being alcohol-free, it says. The last thing you want for one of these old-school chairmen is not, not to be on the alcohol, isn't it? But the spoiler is, in fact, City finished season 84-85 in third position and were promoted, so Peter could get back on the drink. So they did go up there. <laughs> so it didn't, didn't take them too long. Um, so on to page nine, we've got the focus on. The focus on is uh, Gordon Cowan of Aston Villa. So I'm just going to pick out a few things that, that he's, um, that he's um, answered here. So his car... His first car was at Austin Montego. His nickname is Sid, and he says it's because it's my middle name. Fair enough. Musicians Roy Stewart and George Benson. And the thing I've noted down here, there's no food or drink question. So that's that's unusual because... So in Scottish ones, you know, when you ask the questions, it's a curry, isn't it? Fish and chips, uh, something like that. I mean, the the classic one, the, the famous trope of a focus on is steak and chips, isn't it? That's that's the one that, that everybody you know seem to say. But saying that, not one that we've done so far has said steak and chips. So mm-hmm. that sort of goes against that. I think I can remember saying a few years ago, mince and totties. You can't beat the old mince and totties. I think maybe Gordon Stratton answered yeah. mince. And, I mean, it certainly sounds like the thing Gordon Stratton would answer. But um, <laughs> so Gordon Cowan's obviously played for he played for Aston Villa seventy six to eighty five, and then he moved to Italy. Yeah, I didn't know that. He'd um, a few seasons at Barry. Um, and then he came back to Villa, went to Blackburn Rovers, Aston Villa, Derby County Wolves, Sheffield United 95-96, Bradford City 96-97, Stockport and Burnley in 97. So, I mean, it was a 21-year no, career, which was not bad going at all. Um, he made 10 England caps. Um, he, he was also reserve team coach at Burnley, first team coach at Aston Villa and assistant manager there. And he won the League Cup, first division. European Cup and European Super Cup. No bad, it's not bad. No bad, that. Yeah, but then if you if you if you've spent twenty one years in the game, you you better come out with something, you know. Well, that's when uh, the kind of provisional clubs in, in England were winning the European mm-hmm. trophies, weren't they? Yeah, well, you had them. Um, Ipswich, Nottingham Forest at the time as well. Yeah. Um, so we're on to pages twelve and thirteen, and this is Butcher Blast. Uh, we'll stay up. So this is Terry Butcher. Ipswich Town at the time so for the past couple of seasons Ipswich Town have been involved in relegation scrap skipper Terry Butcher isn't convinced that better times are around the corner and he says our football this season has been our best for three years we haven't played like a team struggling to beat the drop and we've never attempted to kick our way out of trouble Butcher who's 26 at this point has been with Ipswich since leaving school and he says I think we will stay up this season and deservedly so and next term it could be more like old times at Portman Road. On Ipswich's problems, Butcher says, we aren't scoring enough goals. Now, just a spoiler on that season, Ipswich narrowly escaped relegation. Norwich, Sunderland and Stoke all went down. However, they were relegated the next season. So, unfortunately, it wasn't the start of something great for Ipswich at this point. No. Terry Butcher, born in Singapore in December 1958. As we said, he was at Ipswich Town, 76 to Moved to Rangers, was there for four years, making 127 league appearances. Then to Coventry City, um, spell at Sunderland and three appearances at Clyde Bank. Tom, you want to yes. talk about any of those? Well, I, I think because he, he came out of retirement, 
I think it was basically David Cooper got him to come out of retirement to help Claybank, but he, he wasn't. He, he was past it, uh, and he, he held his. He was maybe he was there for a month, and he held his hands up. I think we could beat them firm on four one, and he held his hands up and said he was he was responsible for like two of the goals. And uh, well, he, we sat, we come down to Kilbowie, Wraith Rovers, just at sort of maybe 90, 93, 94 season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, Big Terry was playing, and we ran him off because we. Right. We up top with Daz, and it was like um, Colin Carnan, Jason Dare, Stevie Crawford running them up from midfield. I think we won pretty comfortable 3 or 4 0 that night as well, yeah. didn't it come out? He held his hands up and said he wasn't, he wasn't up to it anymore because I think he, he, he was running his hotel at the time, and he went back yeah. two weeks later to run his, his hotel. Yeah, needless to say, there are no teams after that point that he played for, so um, I think he's. Yeah, probably a good decision. But he's managed quite a lot. Um, Coventry City managed between 1992, the spell, short spell at Sunderland. Motherwell between 2002 and 2006. Then he moved to, you know, things must have been so wide. He moved to Sydney, moved to Australia. But um, I, th- I, th- I thought he was okay at Motherwell, was he not? Did he not do Absolutely. it? Yeah. Huh? So Partick Thistle, he was caretaker manager there in 2007. Brentford, Inverness, Cali Thistle, um, Hibs. Uh, which I don't think was too well remembered no. by Hibs fans um, or many other people, apart from people who aren't Hibs fans. Uh, Newport County and the Philippines in 2018. His dad was commissioned with the Royal Navy and he spent his childhood in Lowestoft in Suffolk, which explains probably why he was born in Singapore. Now, I'm sure we've talked about this before. He's a cousin of Pat Nevin. I didn't That's know that. Surprise. Didn't know that. Mm. So and he has a we're talking about this earlier on a 35.03% win rate as manager, which isn't as good. <laughs> and he's in the Rangers, Ipswich Town, and Scottish Halls of Fame. Um, he won the UEFA Cup in 1980-81 with Ipswich, Premier Division one, two, three, League Cup twice, and the First Division with Inverness Cali Thistle. So I'm Terry Butcher there. The only one of this Randy's the Scottish Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Not being a big Englishman, you know. Yeah, of course he was Scotland's assistant manager for a for a spell That's as right. well. Yeah. When uh, George Burley was manager. He's pal. Aye. <laughs> hey, we're going to we're going to um, turn the the focus on you, Ali. We're going to do um, the focus yep. on. So I'm going to fire the focus on questions to you. You can answer them. You can choose not to. They're only too bad, so don't worry about it. I think you'll answer them. Full name. Alistair Graham. Birthplace. Glasgow. First car. An Escort. Um, and I tried to do it on XR3. Just a wee 1.1. <laughs> Basically, you, you put some stripes on it. Is that what you did? Oh, like, like I'm doing one morning, somebody stole the wheels off. Favourite player of all time? Ken DeWeese. Favourite team? Celtic. Most memorable match? Either played in or watched. It could be any. Scotty Medical before the Cup final against mm. Celtic. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we'll come back to that at some point, eh, Tom? Yeah. Yes, yeah. we will. Um, this could answer it as well. Biggest thrill? Winning that trophy. Mm. Biggest disappointment, but, sorry. Although, yep. people forget we've done the double that year, we won the league as well. So. Yeah, I, I didn't, eh? I, didn't, I never forgot that. No, I know you didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's been your biggest disappointment? Apart from not making it at Clyde Bank. I think I could have done a lot better. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Could have done a lot better. I think when you look at the days coaching, the, the different methods, the you know, the food yeah. situation, 
the drinking situation and that. I think a lot of players obviously could have been better, but I think that would have suited me. Do you, you think you would have embraced that? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think now guys know for a good six or seven years they can really go for it. Yeah. Instead of and make themselves a few quid instead of that, you know, like I'm a player and I'm getting a couple of hundred quid a week. Mm. But now they can maybe make themselves, you know, a few quid. Yeah. Okay. The best country you've visited? Best country I've visited? The Pharaohs. Is that really? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story about that. Right. We're warming up and it's that, that one that Scotland played at the cliff behind aye, it. Aye, aye. So we're warming up, taking some shots into Scott Thompson. And we ran out of balls because they were on the sea. <laughs> <laughs> so the Pharaohs, have we gone for the Pharaohs? No, I think we better go for um, just a holiday destination, isn't it? It's no Turkey. Turkey. My favourite holiday destination. All right. Uh, what's your favourite food? A nice leg of lamb. Nice leg of lamb. Okay. Nice. With chips? No, roast potatoes, mate. Roast potatoes. Quality. Um, miscellaneous likes. So give me two things that you like doing. Um, watching the Fitbit Italy. <laughs> uh, no getting much Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. I'm missing that the new yeah, yeah. Tell you. Um, I like the odd game of golf. Right, okay. You any good? Not that I know of. Mm, used to be. No, no, no. Used to be when I was full-time. Right. So you used to be better when you were full-time footballer? Aye, because in their time. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> hey, what's uh, miscellaneous dislike? So a couple of things that drive you up the wall. In a football sense? Anything. Anything. Drive me up the wall. It could be Sunday that. drivers. Yep, okay. Sunday drivers drive me up the wall. Mm-hmm. People that just seem to come out on a Sunday when I'm on the road and they're just out for a drive. They don't seem to be going anywhere. It's like when you get in the tune centre and you're in the tune and you get two pencils in front of you, you don't know whether they're going left or right and you can't get by them. See, I feel, I feel like that just walking. Right. You know, I, I mentioned this a few times. It's like people who, if I'm, if I'm walking, I walk at a certain speed. And maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the, the problem here. But I walk at a certain speed and if people are on their phones and they're meandering and yeah. stuff and you're like, just move out my way. That's, I'm like in the car. Yeah. So that's one. It's just my age. Getting I don't think it is just your age. I think it, I think it's just that that's a good one. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm fine with that one as well. So um, a second one. A second one. I used to be a supporter here when it first came out. Watching it getting used in Italy and Germany and Australia, but over here they need to sort the var out. Wow. The var is an absolute dislike for me at this moment. Mm. So you were a supporter. I mean, because like, because they seem to be doing it right. Mm. We we seem to English Premier League's complicated it for me. Yeah, see, I'm 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 a fan of the concept of it. The fact I think yep. it's needed in that because of the way that you know the the coverage is through every angle and every slow motion and stuff like that. It's needed, yeah. but it should be really simplified. There should be a case of, and I keep saying this, it's up to the referee to make the final decision. The referee yep. should go over. They can point things out to him, and they can go over. And you've got 30 seconds from the moment you start play. And if you can't make a decision in those 30 seconds, it's not clear and obvious. So, yeah, totally like you know, play on original decision stands. I think the problem first started with the, the... I don't think referees in the other countries that I've mentioned get as much money as the Premier League, obviously. Mm. They didn't want to make the decision, in my opinion, because, then, you know, they're on that wage where, 
Well, wait a minute here. This is a wee bit kind of... You need to make a decision because of the camera angles and everything. Yeah. I wish they would just, as you say, go and look at the screen and make the decision. I watched a game last night, guys, um, on the telly, obviously. From, it was the Spurs Chelsea Cup final, Carling Cup. Alan Hutton played. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wandy Ramos was the manager, I think, for, for Spurs at the time. And um, I can't remember who the manager of Chelsea was. But the linesman, uh, I think Huddleston came on. And he went for the ball inside the box. And it was the Carvalho, the Portuguese centre-back, played for Chelsea. Yeah. They hit his hand. And the linesman flagged and gave the penalty kick. Halsey ran over to him and he went handball. When's the last time you've seen the linesman giving a decision in a football game? Mm-hmm. Not in the last few years because the referees will tell you they're in charge yeah. and they make their decisions. Yeah. But they don't seem to make decisions when it comes to VAR, Andy. The, 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 the thing, talking about the linesman making a decision, the thing that really grates with me is when you see a, something happening, a foul or ball going out or something like that, and the linesman is not making it, and the referee blows, and as soon as he blows, up goes the flag. And it's yep. like, well, yep. you know, what, what, why are you doing that? They're not making the decision. I, I, can, I can understand you're still flagging yep. for the decision, but it seems as if they're waiting for the... And, and as you say there, I think, you know, and it's been said by ex-referees and stuff, some referees say to their linesman, listen, don't make any calls. Yep. I'm, I'm making all the decisions here, so... Just, and I know that for a fact. Yeah. yeah. I've heard them saying it to the players in the, 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 before the game. Mm. And I've heard that it, it was just refreshing seeing a linesman actually being involved in the game and making a decision. Yeah. And he gave the penalty to uh, Berbatov, put it away, and he went on to win the cup, obviously. Mm. Well, it, it, but, it, it just sort of suggests that they're confident enough in the decision making. It's like, okay, I know that's definitely a penalty. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put this flag up. Whereas, you know, if they're not doing that, it's like, well, you know, what are you letting go because you're yeah. a wee bit sort of afraid about it? Or Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. Totally agree with you. So that, that's probably a dislike as well. So it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what we were doing there for a wee second. <laughs> right, okay, so what about favourite TV show? The Chase. The Chase. Okay. Do you fancy yourself on it? No. No. <laughs> I just like uh, watching uh, a couple of the, 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 the obviously, the... the, the um, Compete against the, yeah. the masters, if you like, yeah, you know, yeah. and you know when they know they've got 17, 18, they're in the danger zone, they need a few pushbacks, so mm-hmm. I, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, favourite singer? Um, favourite singers? I like the Kings of Leon. Went to see them, my boy. Stereophonics, good in concert, two of a brilliant life. But I'm a wee bit of a George Benson fan at heart, really, for the olden days, so okay. I would go with him. I think, was that not um, one of... The answers on the, the previous one, did you not say George Benson? Give me a wee second, let me just... The Gordon Cowens. Yeah. Favourite singer, musician. Yep, Rod Stewart and George Benson. So there we go. I, I don't really go for the Rod Stewart one, but I like the Georgie boy. I've seen him a yeah. couple of times. Okay. So who's your best friend? <sighs> Got a few. A few, mate. A few. My, my best pal for growing up was Tom McDonald. Played for Rock and Lake Talbot, Glen Afton, mm. East Coast Bride. Right. Um... But these days, it's you know what it's like. The life of a football player, it's acquaintances, it's no best mm. mate, So there's a load out there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Who's been the biggest influence on you, whether it's yourself or your career? I think my career kind of took off at Air United under obviously Ali signed me. Mm. But when George came in, George Burley and Dale Roberts, right. two Ipswich town men. Dale used to work on me out in the park, 
doing certain things, holding the ball in, laying it off, getting spinning into the box, mm. you know, headers and things. But George introduced a kind of weight training thing as well at the time. Okay. We were doing, we knew exactly what we were doing during the week. Tuesday was weight day. And that really benefited me in working with Dale, kind of helped me and pushed me on a wee bit. So mm-hmm. I would say that he was one of the, the biggest influences. Just still. So last one, who in the world would you most like to meet? That's some crazy. Who would I like to meet? Yeah, but the, the, some of the, the standard ones are like some Muhammad Ali or the Queen or the Pope. And... I've seen him, I've not met him. Yeah. I've not met him. Um, Unless it's a bit of a, a lad and he'll say something like Farrah Fawcett or something like that. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Farrah was alright, We all loved the Farrah Fawcett, the Charlie's Angels. Um, who would I like to meet? I, I know I'd like to meet. Yeah. Stephen Graham, the actor. Mm-hmm. Mike's brilliant. Yeah. I've watched all his programmes, um, films he's been in, Boardwalk Empire, The Virtues. The Virtues, yeah. When he pops up, The Irishman, Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he ever lets you do so. Yeah, I know he's a terrific I've, actor, Stephen Graham, aye. Okay, great stuff. Absolutely. So, so what, what I tend to try and do when I can find some time is mock up. I don't know, have you have you got a focus on from your career? Have you got any, like, uh, you won't have any in Shoot Magazine or that, but have you had any sort of profile? You must have. No, nah, the, the, the football team's always done that, didn't yeah. they? They always, uh, I had one for Clyde Bank years Is ago. They've done one with me. So, so I'll, I'll be mocking up one of the Shoot version ones yourself and putting all these in. So Excellent. I'll make sure I get a good photograph that does you justice. Good. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to have a look at the podcast sponsor, which is CelticMatchDay.com. So that's CelticMatchDay.com, and it's a website which has a larger archive of scanned Celtic programs, both home and away. It's a very large site. There's a lot of programs on there, and there's a lot being added to it continuously. So CelticMatchDay.com, what we'll do is we'll just have a quick look. If you go to the website, then you have the option to select a year, and from the year, you then have the programs that are available to you for that year. So the one I'm going to look at today is April 22nd from 1978. It's a Scottish Premier League game of Celtic versus Partick Thistle. So the front cover is, is sort of in black and white, but it's like a, a hint of green to it as well. Um, if we go into the programme, first one is uh, Rough keeps the scoreline down. So... I think this is a, a throwback to the previous meeting between the two sides in the season when Alan Ruff obviously had a, a good game even though Celtic finished 1-3-0 on that. Uh, then there's the Jock Stain giving his, um, the manager's viewpoint and it says now we have to recruit. Um, a couple of adverts, one including for make sure you get your copy of the New Look View. The paper for all Celtic fans now on, now on sale for 10 pence. And then we have some photographs. We've got Roddy McDonald going up for a header. And there's a Kenny Douglas uh, photograph in there as well. In the middle pages, it's the, the teams. A uh, couple of names. John Dowie of Celtic, not a name I'm overly familiar with. Frank Munro's in there. For Partick Thistle, we have Rough and Goals, Andy Anderson, Jackie Campbell, John Marr, Alex O'Hara, Jim Melrose, John Craig. Quite a few names in there. I recognise most, if not all of them. And there's then a couple of adverts. Bank of Scotland, the Daily Record and Sunday Mail in there. And here we go, 1978. So obviously we need an ITV World Cup 78, the complete ITV World Cup kit. So this is... 
something you can send one pound fifty now and get your kit in time for the kickoff. So it's an, it says an application form, but it's pretty much like a coupon. Put your name and address and a checker post order for one pound fifty, and you get a sixty-four page magazine packed with all the facts and the teams and players plus special Scotland the Brave feature, star player wall chart of all the World Cup superstars, golden goals competitions with great prizes to be won, up-to-date wall chart for you to enter results as they happen. And have your World Cup questions answered by the TV panel. And there's drawings there of Brian Moore and Arthur Montford as well. So that's a nice wee throwback to World Cup 1978 there. As we always say, this is it's not just a, a, a site for Celtic fans. There's a lot in there for fans of all clubs. You're going to have your home and the wee programmes there as well. And it's really good just to look at the, the old adverts and the old photographs. Lots of photographs that you won't readily see in other, other places. So CelticMatchDay.com on the website. And you can follow them at Celtic underscore Matchday on Twitter as well. Right, so we'll go back into the magazine. Is that right with you, yeah. Tom? Yeah, that's fine. Right, so we're on page 14. So this is a competition. I'm going to show you this one because you need to see... So there we go. So that this is the competition, right? We got that. Got it. Right. So first prize is an all expenses paid holiday at Adidas Soccer World in Oxfordshire or Bobby Charlton Soccer School in Manchester. So this is a Levi jeans competition in association with Shoot. And on it's one week in July or August plus a hundred pounds worth of Levi gear. And the twenty runners up get Levi sweatshirts to win. Determine which of the artist's impressions is most apt to the following players' hobbies. Okay. So, Tottenham striker Clive Allen likes to walk his dog. So, which one of those do you think is Clive Allen walking his dog? So, for, for the, the benefit of people who kind of see this, so there's four different drawings of happen trendy, cool guys. I think, <laughs> I think we can call them that. And they're in different styles. I've got to go with D. D. I don't know if we've actually got the answers here, so I think we could just no. make it up. Yeah. Chelsea's Pat Nevin enjoys listening to pop music. Okay, so uh, yeah. I'll go through them first and then we can look at them. Mark United, Man United's Mark Hughes likes driving his car. And Liverpool's Ian Rush likes clay pigeon shooting. So I think A is going to be Pat, Pat Nevin. Nevin. Aye, Aye I mean, because... Uh-huh. In these days, if he's listening to pop music, is it a Walkman you had? Yeah, just even for the hair there. It's got, it's got the floppy That's, hair. It's yeah. got the floppy. The floppy seagull. Yeah, it's seed. So Pat Nevin enjoys listening. That's that one. Uh, Mark Hughes driving his car. That's D. I think that's D because he's, he's the most conservatively dressed and he's got okay. sensible shoes on. Right, C could be walking his dog and clay pigeon shooting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, like wait, no, one of them's got um, his shoelaces untied. Untied, yeah. So that's that's no going anybody that's out walking or carrying a, a gun. So I think that, I think the the one with the the this one doesn't have his shoes tied. So you know, walking your dog, you could trip over them. We are we a rifle. That's just dangerous. Driving a car, that's what we're going for there. Unless the dog's chewed the laces. Could have done, aye. They see, in fact, I think I think the shoes are a giveaway because the one at the end are sort of slip-ons. I think mm-hmm. the answer is that B, C, and D are all driving the car. I think it's a it's a trick. But anyway, so it's a full page here. It's a wee bit of fun, and when I say a wee bit of fun, I mean just a wee bit. 
yeah. The, you fill in the name, address, your answers. Oh, there's a, this thing, the tiebreaker. And no more than 15 words say what you would gain from a holiday at one of our first prize soccer schools. I was always a bit confused about the tiebreaker and how you how you word it. Because do you start saying, I would like to, and you know, I think I would gain from And by that point, you've used up your 15 words. <laughs> or do you just jump straight in there? Jump straight in there. Skills. Well, they used to tell you at school to always start the answer yeah. with the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be probably not the best thing here. So we'll, we'll move on because we don't have a clue what the answers are. I should have maybe checked in that in a, a future issue. Maybe what I will do when, when we release this and put it on the webpage, I'll put the answers on there and see who was the closest. So pages 16 and 17, Ace Wheeler Dealer. So should take a look at the new buys in the Scottish game and how they've fared so far. So when it comes to playing the Scottish transfer game, Dundee and Aberdeen come top of the pack. Step forward, John Brown and Frank McDougall, Scotland's transfer bargains of the season. Brown was bought for 40000 from Hamilton by Archie Knox and has been a revelation. McDougall, who cost £100,000 from St Mirren, has moved comfortably into Mark McGee's boots at Aberdeen. Unassuming Brown says, When I ar- arrived at Dens Park, Mr Knox had just bought Tom Carson from Dumbarton, Robert Connor from Air United, John McCormack from St Mirren, and Stuart Rafferty from Motherwell. So just starting on that one. The fact that he says Mr Knox is just, you know, is exactly what I would expect um, John Brown to, you know, yeah. be calling the management. Um, Have you played against, did you play against John Brown, Ellie? I did actually. I've got a couple of photographs in in the, my wee kind of scrapbook of him um, right. playing against him a few times. In fact, a wee quick story, Tom. We're playing at Ibrox, forty yeah. odd thousand, maybe even more than that. I can't remember the exact crowd. And my mum was out with her pals, you know, years ago, oh, ninety four, ninety five season. My mum was out with her pals during the week, and obviously in the Blaine Valley, is it the tune? John yeah. Brown drinks in there. And she says, Oh, my boy's playing against you on Saturday. She says, Who is he? She says, Ali Graham, Beth Rovers. He went, All right. So me and Gordon Bell are about to take centre. And Bomber goes, We've talked to your man Thursday. <laughs> 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 I mean, Daz looked at me and went, Because I mean, <laughs> my mum is one of these mums that she would go and talk to somebody about Fitbit and see if they knew me, you know. Yeah. But Big Bomber didn't let me. <laughs> In fact, I think that might have been the game, guys, that Big Duncan and Jock, Jock McStay had a wee All set right. to. I think it might have been, yeah. Maybe maybe somebody says that I've spoke to your mum and that's how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> Big Duncan didn't take too, too lightly with that line. Right. John Brown was the first guy I ever kind of noticed marking at corners where he wouldn't look at the ball. He would just focus on the guy he was marking. It would, yeah. be, it would be just sort of like no yeah. interest in where the ball was, it was just where the forward was going. That's right. He's the first defender I noticed sort of doing that, you know. Yeah. Well, don't forget as well, he was a midfielder at Dundee, wasn't he? And he kind of moved him into that defensive role yeah. at Rangers. Hmm. He scored load, quite a lot of goals. I mean, he scored a hat trick yeah. against Rangers, I think, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he says he's a very about. Um, Mr. Knox, he's a very ambitious manager and that greatly impressed me. It took less than five minutes for me to make up my mind to sign for him. So the combined cost for these players was £150,000, which was £25,000 less than he got Ian Ferguson from Rangers. Or got for Ian Ferguson from Rangers. So Aberdeen, Alex Ferguson pulled off another shrewd buy by taking Tommy McQueen from Clyde for 40000 
He was practically a Hibs player before Fergie swooped in. Over at Celtic, Scotland, Scottish soccer's most expensive buy, Mo Johnson, bought for £400,000 from Watford. Pierce O'Leary, signed from Vancouver Whitecaps, and Alan McAnally, signed from Air United, um, all arrived this season. So Pierce is the brother of David, while McAnally cost £100,000 from Air United. I mean, some some right good fees coming in there. I mean, even if you got those nowadays, you'd probably still be going, that's, that's a good fee um, yeah. to get that. Rangers were widely tipped to win the league with Jock Wallace, but haven't had to seek the problems. It's not so easy for new players to make an immediate impact. Ian Ferguson and Cammy Fraser, um, for a combined value of £320,000 from Dundee. Ted McMinn, £100,000 from Queen of the South. Um, none of them have managed to change Rangers' fortunes. Uh, it says Sandy Clark moved out of Ibrox to Hearts for £25,000. Well, Hearts included Andy Watson from Leeds United uh, for 40000 Hibs invested 80000 for East Fife's uh, Gordon Jury, but the goals haven't flowed as hoped. And St Mirren's best piece of business was buying unknown Peter Godfrey from Meadowbank for 25000 Critics thought the step up would be too much for him, but he's accepted the pressure with uncanny relish. And Kenny McDowell from Partick Thistle and Peter Mackey from Dundee have also arrived and are fitting in Alex um, Miller's plans. Now, the last one mentioned here is Billy Thompson has had a frustrating time at Dun United, playing back up to Hamish McAlpine. United also paid £75,000 for Stuart Beedy from St Johnston, and he has been unable to hold down a first-team place. So quite a few names in there, um, some, yeah. some who go into better things. Um, Gordon Jury obviously been one. Um, does it sound as though he, he was he was you know firing on all cylinders at that point? He certainly wasn't scoring goals, no. but we know that his career went from strength to strength. Absolutely. Joke factory. Okay, so this is a bit that I normally leave to Tom because I'm I'm not a fan of these um, joke factory things. Um, but let's see how funny their quicker little stories are. There's a photo of a Scottish fan. So th- th- this one has um, a Scottish fan and he's probably in London. And he's covered in, you know, he's wearing all the, the tartan trousers and um, tartan bonnet and stuff, and he's all covered by pigeons. And it says, Scotland's tartan army of followers have been told to lay off the booze by authorities, but they can still pull the birds. Yeah, no. Tom, you, I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to accept that these are funny. No, well, I, 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 it's, I, it's the cartoonists I defend, no so much the jokes. Right, you, okay. don't, you don't like the cartoons, but I actually defend the cartoonists. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the cartoonists if they didn't put any text on them. So run about that time, guys, were we still going down to Wembley? Hundreds of thousands of Scotsmen still going down to Wembley at that time? In... 85? When, when did they, we stop there? No, right? 89, I think we stopped. All right. 80, 85, we beat them at Hamden. That was the year Richard Goff scored. That's right. And the pouring, the pouring rain at Hamden. But yeah, well, I think they started to move it to a Wednesday night game run about that time to stop. Thinking that they would stop the influx or the Scottish Scotland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's always been people in charge who just don't have a clue. Isn't you there? can just imagine, guys, all the guys that own businesses at the time going like that, or they've moved that to a Wednesday night. The guys will be half a week now. Just, <laughs> just the weekend. Exactly. So, um, lively lemonade. So, this isn't a joke, but um, it's, it's a wee humorous thing to it. So, England boss Bobby Robson was impressed with the discipline of a young Ipswich Town player on the summer tour while at town. He studied the youngster closely over eight days 
and noted the occasional glass of alcohol floating about with the players. But the bright lad was always buzzing past with a tray of fizzy mineral waters. Robson eventually decided to pass a compliment and said, Lad, I want to tell you how impressed I am with your dedication. Drinking lemonade, you're halfway there. And the boy says, Actually, Mr Robson, you're right about the lemonade, but I always drink Cointreau with it. I'm not impressed. Who would that have been? Tom, we're not doing any of these jokes ever again because they just demoralise me. Fair enough. Right. Fair enough. So can we can we can we jump back to Ali? We need to while we've got you on, Ali. As we've touched on it a wee bit, so we need to speak to you a wee bit about the League Cup win and the, the resulting European campaign. When you were going into that final against Celtic at Ibrox, did you give yourself much of a chance? I think that the time, Tom, we, we were toiling in a league and the. The cup games kind of gave us a wee bit of confidence. We'd rattled through the, the rounds before, beating, you know, Ross County, Kilmarnock, St. Johnson, Airdrie's quite convincingly, apart from yeah. the Airdrie game where Scott Thompson got himself sent off. But right. We held on to that and winning penalties and then get into the, the final. You've always got a chance because we, we knew that the pressure was on them, obviously, because then they won in for a few years. But... Um, when it does get to 94 minutes and you're getting beat 2-1, uh, sorry, 84 minutes and it gets to 2-1, you think you're, you know, you're, you've lost out. But I always remember the equalising goal where um, Jason Dare cut inside her, trying to spin in behind Big Mowbray. And Jason's hit this shot and it was like the worst shot. <laughs> you, I went, oh, what's he doing? It's rubbish. But Big Marshall spills it and Daz has folded it in for, for the life of me. A top striker, you know, and it just bounced up perfectly from just a head past him, and that was us back in the game. Got to extra time, and it was us. We just couldn't get a goal to, to win it. Obviously, it goes to penalties, guys, and it's uh, five. It's five weeks. And it's getting to sudden death, and you're bottling it a wee bit because you're going <laughs> to take one. But fortunately for me, Scott Thompson saved Paul McStay's penalty, and. He tells a good story actually about that because he saves the penalty kick. He's thinking that all the guys are going to run towards him because he's won as a cup, you know. He says his red arrows, everybody was running all over the place. <laughs> didn't know where to go because we weren't used to it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was bedlam, absolute bedlam. But we had a, a good party that for, the, for a few weeks after that. Mm. And then, as I said to you earlier on, that spurred us on in the league and we went on and won the league. So. Yeah. It was a, it was a yeah. very, very good year for Red Rovers. Have you ever bought a drink in Kirkcaldy since, Sally? Um, I, I don't really go drinking there, to be honest with you now, but when I have been up reporting in the football games and that kind of thing, you're just in and out. We always get asked into the kind of corporate room or whatever or aye, aye. go and see a few people. But my dad's come up with me a few times and I don't think he's ever had to buy a drink, so that'll do for me. <laughs> what about the European campaign? That was a bit bittersweet for me, really. I, I played... Um, the first game, uh, over the Pharaohs, obviously, I got injured before the a Cranes away game. Played at home, then he go to Iceland. And then we get through. Um, we're waiting to draw. And all these teams are coming out. I remember we're all in the chairman's kind of office, in the kind of boardroom. And it's uh, the telly's on and the draws getting made, you know. And it's like Olympiakos, Inter Milan, whatever, you know. <laughs> all these teams, Bayern Munich. And the, the guys are all saying, who do you fancy? Red Star, Belgrade, things like that. <laughs> what do you fancy? 
And I'm thinking to myself, I wouldn't mean going to one of these places where the the fans are bonkers, getting a good experience and thing, yeah. and then just Bayern Munich come in. We're <laughs> rolling about laughing. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Obviously, it was brilliant playing against me to move it to Easter Road. I'd done particularly well in that game. But, but on to me, dropped me for a second game. I came on, I came on about 57 minutes, 58 minutes, and and played played half an hour earlier. So, but they were too good for us. Mm. Far too good for us. The team that year went on to win the cup. Germany won the Euros at Wembley, didn't they? And it was full yeah. of Munich players, so there was some side brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Oh yeah, just I was saying, Oliver Kahn, uh, Jean Pierre Papin, Dietmar Hamann, Lindsman. Yep. Quite funny because Tom, the name. Aye, the, the, Tom um, Marcus Babel was the right back. Right. And and Jimmy Nichols says, listen, if we can play on Marcus Babel, he's their weak link. <laughs> 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 so you all fell about laughing again, you know. I think he moved to Benfica for seven and a half million quid after that or something like you know. But at that time, that was phenomenal. But no, they were a good team. The, the, the man for me who made them tick was the boy Sforza, the Swiss player midfield. Right. Dieter Hamann played in beside him. But they had uh, Ziegler and the other youngster. I can't remember the other youngster's name. The two young German players at the time that played in the flanks. Ziga and Ziggler, Ziggler, and the two of them were lightning, absolute lightning. And me, Papa, up front with Klinsman, obviously. So yeah. I think, um, I think uh, Sean Dennis and Sinky and I had their horns full that night, you know, we need to. Some amount of names you're talking there, isn't it? I mean, pa- Papan was just, Papan's one of the, the best strikers of ball, I remember. Yeah. He just could strike it so well, absolutely pinged it. Yep. Good player, really, mm, really good yeah. player. He didn't play the first leg, played the second leg. Yeah. Brilliant. Listen, we'll, we'll jump back into this. We'll go on to page 23. And it says, I hate being unknown. I must get more goals, says Chelsea's Nigel Spackman. So Spackman hates being called the unknown star of Stamford Bridge. He is Chelsea's only ever present this season. And he says, I want more attention from other people. But to get that, I know I have to start scoring goals. A lot of the time, I've been the one to stay back, and so there haven't been a lot of opportunities to score. But I'm not using that as an excuse, even though he's just used it as an excuse. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, well, you know, I stay back and stuff, but I'm not using that as an excuse. Well, why mention it? So he started off at Bournemouth um, between 80 and 83, um, 119 league appearances, made 141 for Chelsea, uh, moved to Liverpool for two, two years, 51 appearances, Moved to QPR, then had 100 league appearances for Rangers. I wasn't, I didn't actually think it was that many that he, he played for them. Went moved back to Chelsea and then Sheffield United, where he was player manager there as well. He also managed at Barnsley and Millwall, and he currently works for the Glen Hoddle Academy, which we spoke about before. It was set up by Glen Hoddle in memory of his brother Carl, who died at age 40, and also involves Graham Ricks, David Besson, and John Gorman. Other coaches involved. Yeah. Um. So Spackman's goals at Chelsea. So he's in season 83-84. He scored three goals in 46 games. 84-85 scored two goals in 55 games. 85-86 seven goals in 55 games. 86-87 two goals in 23 games. So hardly a prolific. You know, he's saying, "Oh, I need to score goals so people people will know who I am." That didn't quite happen. But but do you not know, think we knew him because he was a good midfielder? 
But he was thinking he had to score goals to get noticed, but he was getting noticed through his performances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he sort of what he's talking about there is is what a striker would be. Yeah. You know, looking for. Okay, yeah. you know, you want to, see, you always want to improve your goals, but he was he just throughout his whole career, he wasn't. I mean, just looking at 10, 20 to 24 league goals over his whole career, but you know, you, you you're not defined just by that, are you? As no, you say, absolutely. as you say, there's everything else. Um, yeah. So the the photo on the page shows another photograph with David Speedy shaking hands with Doug Rugby. So they were um, at Chelsea at the same time. Going to correct you, there's Kerry Dixon. Is it Kerry Dixon? Kerry Dixon, he's shaking hands with. Right. Okay. I'll I'll take that. It was always good seeing these guys coming up pre-season games. When you, when you played your pre-season games, the managers that I had kind of knew some of the big players or the big managers down in England, so they would come up and play against you. Yeah. You played against the guys, Spackmans and Kerry Dixons and Butchers and all that. You mm. would bring up Sunderland and some of the teams that we, players that we played against were, were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And just like you're saying, just knowing them through the shoot annual. Yeah. You know, no, no kind of, and seeing them on match of the day, but then you're actually playing against them. So, mm. fantastic memories with these guys, you know. I remember Kerry Dixon coming off the park and did he go to Coventry? Was it, was it Houchin? It might have been Keith Houchin, one of, one of the two of them. And they came off the park at the end of the game and we were rocking a cream cracker, you know, and he said, I just heard him saying to another player, that was a good workout. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right, um, so we're on page 25 here and this is the St Mirren Connections brings Aberdeen boom. So we're on about St Mirren and Aberdeen here. So when Aberdeen are crowned champions of Scotland for the second year in succession, don't be surprised if a special thank you card is dispatched in the dire- direction of Love Street. Alex Ferguson heads a colony of former St Mirren personnel that also includes five members of his all-conquering squad. Scotland's top marksman Frank McDougall was snapped up. He was close to quitting football at the time as he was disillusioned and was going to return to his previous job as a scaffolder. Injury sidelined him during the championship run-in last season just as it did with Peter Weir, another signing from St Mirren for £330,000 at the time, the club record signing. Although dogged by injury problems during his career, Weir has still been a terrific value for money signing. Ferguson says we are a different side with Weir in it. But during the enforced absence of the pair, Ferguson was able to call on another former St Mirren player, Steve Cowan. Steve's emergence has been a bonus, says Ferguson. Dougie Bell accompanies Cowan from St Mirren in 1979 and although injury has interrupted his career at Aberdeen, he's made a considerable contribution to the club's success. But perhaps Aberdeen's best buy was Billy Stark, who cost him £60,000 from St Mirren two years ago. He replaced Strachan, who they got ten times the money that Stark cost. Stark has been in scintillating scoring form this season, shrugging aside niggling injury problems and distracting comparisons. Ferguson says, The fans hounded Billy for a while, but now they realise just how important he is to us. He uses the ball well and makes good runs down the right side of the field on top of getting into good positions in the penalty area. His record speaks for itself. Ferguson may be planning another trip to Paisley, given they have no shortage of cash in the kitty. So, I mean, there's obviously there's a big connection there between St Mirren and Aberdeen, starting with yeah. Ferguson going to there. I'm quite... Uh, uh, I played with a couple of them, and Billy managed me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Peter Weir I played with. Um, there's a lot of 
good players come out of St Mirren, come out of, but obviously went to Aberdeen to better themselves and, and vice versa. But yeah. Billy, even at Celtic, was fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. Used to always joke about him taking his boots off, like slippers off, and sneaking in at the back post because he, he scored <laughs> mm-hmm. that amount of goals for that area, you know. But a really good coach as well, Billy, tracking guy. Mm. Well, then we'll just have a wee quick. I mean, you're talking about his goals. Um, so, 255 league appearances for St Mirren, and he scored 60 goals there. He scored 41 in 109 games for Aberdeen in the league. 17 for Celtic in 64 league games. Uh, 6 for Kilmarnock in 22 league games. He didn't score at Hamilton Ackies and he scored 3 at Kilmarnock as well. Record at Aberdeen is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, for a midfielder, it's absolutely brilliant the amount of goals they've scored there. Managing career, so he was he was assistant and caretaker for Celtic in the... Uh, 1940-97 assistant and he was a caretaker in 97 Morton he managed there for a few years St Johnson Queen's yep. Park he was been under 21 Scotland under 21 manager yep. also he was a caretaker 2012 2013 he managed the East Coast Bright FC yep and yep 2017-2018 for that and Scotland under 8-19s I think he's at present he's managing them so his honours let's have a wee quick look at that European Super Cup Premier League and Scottish Cup in 1983-84, Premier League 84-85, League Cup and Scottish Cup 85-86, and we Queen Queens Park they won the Scottish Third Division playoffs in 2007. Um, so yeah, that not bad as manager obviously. Um, yeah, not bad again. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, one of these players who I mean he's not got any. He's got um, one under 21 cap. And again, you know, you can always go back to who who else was in those positions and stuff. But you just think it's one of these players who maybe, you know, if if you had them today, it'd be right, right in there. You know, firstly. No, I, by the way, when you think of Billy Stark, you wouldn't think of am tackling anybody or being aggressive, wouldn't you? Know, just kind of glided about and managed to sneak in and score a lot of goals. But I do remember. I don't know if you guys will remember it. The, the game at Celtic Park against Rangers. And soon as half time in two of his boot was off. That's right. And he got a red card, a straight red soon as. Yeah. I'll never forget that. He had his boot off at the time and he actually passed the ball with his boot in his hand and soon as he's come in and clattered him. <laughs> Big Billy just sat there, you know. Another so another one that was we mentioned there was Steve Cowan. Um just have a quick look at Steve. So Yeah. Well, I've got Paisley that was he was born in, but may well be in East Kilbride. We've got East Kilbride, yeah. Um, so he, Aberdeen, started at St Mirren just as a youth. I don't think he actually played in the first team at St Mirren. Um, Aberdeen, Hibs, Motherwell, Albion Rovers, 89-90. Um, Down. he started off on loan there, then went um, full-time over there. Ballymena and Cliftonville. So he's, he's obviously went over to Ireland and, and spent a a little time there he scored three hat-tricks with Hibs during the 1985-86 season and was Scotland's top scorer with 28 goals in all competitions at that time I remember that um, it was I mean it's probably not a name in the past you would think top scorer in Scotland no yeah you, you know you think of the McCoyce and um, Johnson and all these ones but you don't think Steve Cowan would it would it be right and say guys that he got a really bad injury because I remember him coming to train at Motherwell in the early 90s with me and he was hobbling about like as if he had a right bad injury that really hindered him. But I don't know where they go at. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know of anything that. I've just got, he scored, 
66 league goals in 87 games for Portadown, winning the Irish League in 1992 and the Irish Cup in 91 when Portadown completed a domestic treble. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously, if he has had that injury, he's recovered from it yeah. over there. So, yeah, he won the Dryborough Cup with Aberdeen 1980 and the Premier League in 84 85 with Aberdeen. Um, so, yeah. That's another good one. So we're on page 40. Hotline, world news from Tony Roche. And this is about Wilkins and Hately slammed. So AC Milan chairman Giuseppe Farina has launched a blistering attack on the players' form. And he says, In a number of recent games, our players, and I exempt nobody, have not shown the willingness to work nor the desire to win. If I was a supporter paying to watch AC Milan, I would stop paying. In fact, I would demand the whole lot be sold and we start again. That's not, not bad from your chairman, isn't it? That's not bad from your chairman. So Milan finished fifth, seven points off the top two. Um, they won 12 and drew 12 that season. And Hellas Verona won their first and only Scudetto that season. So, I mean, that's, again, I didn't even that's know about that. Um, I mean, Verona aren't really... I mean, it's a name you know, but probably they, they go up and down like a bit. Luca Tony played with them, didn't he? I can remember him. But that was, that was a way after that. I mean, that's a way before Gazetta came on the telly, mm, Yeah, it? Yeah, well, Gazetta would have been uh, late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Probably about 1990 when that would have first came on. Yeah. But at that time, was was Liam Brady, Hately, obviously, Wilkins, Soonis. They were all just early 80s, weren't they? Yeah. They were there before they came back to Britain. Yeah, I think, I think I don't think there was many Brits still out there when the, the well, Gazetta Paul Elliott beat from Delaware. Yeah. There was um, Des, Des Walker, was it, that went over? Uh, he was uh, in Sampdoria. Paul Ince, a bit later. Um, Platt. Platt, yeah, yeah, he was there. Oh, yeah. Um, but, th- yeah, there wasn't, and there was obviously Gaza, who went over in probably, what, 94? Luther Blissett. Would he have no finish by, by, by then? Would he have been finished? Yeah, they thought he would Well, no finish, but he would have stopped playing yeah. there by then. Right, so we're getting to the um, Mo Johnson here. So pages 34 and 35 are jumping to. And it's Celtic Cup final ace. Mo Johnson takes a swipe at his critics. And so Mo says, I'm no playboy. It's all rubbish about my private life. Maurice Johnson prepares to play in his second major cup final in 12 months and is under fire for what his critics believe to be a playboy image. Should say that the smile that the gods bestowed on the gifted young Glaswegian striker has turned into a snarl as growing tales of dawn disco dancing and arm-hugging stunners overshadow his form for Celtic. Johnson totally dismisses claims his private life is damaging his professional career. And he says, I honestly don't see any cause for concern. I'm still scoring goals and I know there are many more to come. So Johnson went from Thistle to Watford for £200,000 to replace Luther Blissett who'd gone to AC Milan, Um, so there we go. His goals and partnership with fellow Scot George Riley took Watford to last season's FA Cup final where they lost to Everton. Uh, Jockstein brought him into the Scotland squad and the goals flowed and he became the first choice, displacing the likes of Steve Archibald. Johnson always maintained, I have always wanted to play for one club, the club I supported as a boy, Celtic. (laughs) He He got his wish. Oh, hindsight, eh? Um, That's a famous scarf one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a sponsor donated a flashy white Porsche car to Johnson before he had even passed his driving test. Then his mother, in a sad newspaper expose, claimed her son was ignoring her and doing nothing to improve her standard of living. 
The papers pounced on his lively lifestyle, seeking his news on everything from bingo to fashion. Davy Hay took him aside and had a firm word. He then told the world, Moe's a good-looking young fellow with natural instincts. I certainly don't mind him enjoying himself, but he must realise what it means to be a Celtic player. We have a tradition to uphold. We owe a lot to our public and we must never lose sight of that. So Johnson missed successive vital penalties against Dundee United and Rangers, leading to his critics howling that he was burning himself out. And Johnson says, Here I am, looking forward to helping Celtic win the Scottish Cup and make up for the terrible disappointment of losing last year in England, and people only seem to want to talk about my private life. I scored 19 goals in my first 28 games for Celtic. I'm striving to better myself. I know that any other attitude would be wrong. But I feel sad when I read things that are blown out of all proportion. He says, um, David Hay says, I've not heard a single grumble from the lad. He's happy with us and we're happy with him. So as a spoiler, Celtic was going to beat Dundee United 2-1 in the cup final. Stuart Beedy for United and Proven and McGarvey for Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the main the main photo on here shows him battling for the ball against Graham Forbes of Motherwell in the Scottish Cup semi-final. The other photo is, is of Johnson decked out in leather trousers and a leather jacket, wearing what looked like a pair of white canvas shoes a la Miami Vice. So I'll just... There you go, Alan. Fantastic. Yeah. He's no playboy, though. I'm no playboy. Nah. I sort of I feel for him a bit. Because that is the way of things. It's like, you know, if, if your form goes or if you start, then they'll just look for excuses as to why it's happening rather than it just being, it's a dip in form. It doesn't have to yeah. be that there's, you know, external issues that are affecting it. But then again, he probably did. You know, he probably did burn it, you know, the candles at both Absolutely. ends. Well, I played with Falkirk later on in his career. And, and I think as well, when he came back for the nonce, I think he was a better player all yeah. round. I think that made mm. his made really made his game mm. uh, kind of take off, you know. But at, at Falkirk, his training the training was he was the best trainer. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised. Um, the way we'd speak to you, the experience he had, and don't get me wrong, I was 28, 29, 30 at the time as well. So I was I was exactly young, but. Mm. I'd just been brought up playing with teams all the time that were on the kind of verge of getting relegated or promoted. So I was either that was kind of yo-yo player. <laughs> yeah. So when you were up in the top league, I went back for every corner, went back, tried to match guys, try and win the ball back, you know, if the midfielder were holding them up. Yeah. And Morris would say to me, what are you doing? He says, save your energy for going that way. Mm. And, and I never ever thought of that. Yeah. And that's what he did. And he still scored a barrel of the goals, you know. Mm. He certainly did. I mean, he did you know, after Falkirk, he, he obviously went to the States and Kansas City Wizards, and you know yeah. he spent what five years or something there, 149 league games, and that was the most he'd played for any club. Um, scored 31 league goals. So Partick Thistle, Watford, Celtic, Nantes, Rangers, Everton. I mean, sort of. I mean, sometimes I forget he played for Hearts. Um, that's right. You know, before Falkirk, and um, so sometimes I see him in a, the team photo, and it's like that's oh, right. Strongbow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. So um, he, he managed at New York Red Bulls in Toronto as well. Um, so he won the Premier League with Celtic, 85-86, Scottish Cup, 84-85. He won two Premier Leagues with Rangers and the Scottish Cup. And he won a few things, the Western Conference MLS, the MLS Cup and the Supporters' Shield over in the States. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously that, that bit about um, there's only one club I want to play for and, and um 
you know, that's Celtic, that's that's sort of haunted him a wee bit, isn't it? A long way everything else. Show that clip as well, William, back at the Big Billy. With the, the, the jumper. He's got, he's got the, the black, red and white jumper on. Yeah, yeah. Crew neck with a tie on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. And you just think, he's no signing for Celtic there. He's gone somewhere else, didn't he? You know, so. Did you think uh, that at the time? I honestly didn't. I, I didn't really look convinced that he was going to be signing for Billy. Yeah. I really did. I remember it. And I remember a lot of my mates turning right, really turning against him, even when he went on to play for Scotland and that and things. And yeah. That's just unheard of, you know, although a couple of guys had done it before, but for Morris to do it, they turned against him, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, I still see it all the time whenever, you know, it's not as bad as I, I thought it was going to be, but whenever I, I post um, Morris Johnson stuff, you do get the, the ca- yeah. you know, occasional person who still hasn't let it go. Yeah, but I think it was that thing as well, like posed with Billy, Billy McNeil. You hear a lot of Celtic fans saying it, it was him basically showing up, Billy McNeil, for doing that and then going to Rangers. They hate him yeah. for, for that. I think I think I remember um, whether it was more or something reading about it, um, that it was sort of, no forced on him, but it, it came as a bit of a surprise here, sit down, you know, wear this, blah, 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 put this on. And take photographs. So I think it was, you know, it looked as if he was lost in the yeah. eclipse, didn't he? Yeah. And you know, what was he going to do? Say, no, no. Listen, I've no made up my mind yet. You know. So, <laughs> but well, he always says, he always says, soon as gave him a million reasons to, to join the league. <laughs> so. Yeah, but you, you 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 pointed on it though. I mean, coming back for on what a player he was. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt the quality of him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, definitely one of the. The, the best Scottish strikers that I can actually remember. Because, yeah. um, you know, obviously the ones, me, me born in 72, I don't really remember players watching them and stuff until maybe I was about 10 or something like that, 9, 10. So he was definitely one of, one of the better ones. Yeah. Um, so just um, Morris John Giblin Johnson, did you know that was his full name? Giblin was in there. Yeah, I had to double check that though when I saw it because I thought maybe somebody's messing about with Wikipedia. And that... Morris John Giblin Peroxide Blonde Johnson. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought maybe Giblin was like a, a you know derogatory word that somebody had put in, so I had to check that first. <laughs> a few sources, so we're all right with that. Yeah. So on, on the back page, we've got to the back page, which is pretty good. We've got um, these pony, um, which never really they're always. Never really my thing. Very American-looking things, you know, sneakers and yeah. The I wouldn't have wore these. There's white, black, silver, and um, red. Um, well, I think as well at the time when when you look at the, the the make the pony make, see all the kind of provincial clubs and Motherwell, St Mirren's, mm. these kind of clubs that were looking for sponsorship deals at the time. Yeah, they made Fitbit boots these companies as well. Uh-huh, yeah, you know your. Um, it was a Spanish one. It was a Spanish make as well. The Panto de la Fadora was it the Italian make. They all kind of sent other stuff to the clubs for the players to try and wear. I'm trying to think of the Spanish because uh, Motherwell had them. Motherwell had them, and they give you the boots and you, you looked at them. You went, I'm not wearing them, you know. Mm. I'll go to Greaves and get myself a pair of coffers or something like that. But they kind of because the because the strips were made with this company mm. they give you the boots to match and i remember pony doing that yeah i think uh, uh, did, did motherwell you mentioned motherwell there where yeah. they did they have a pony 
I think they bought the guys wore pony boots. Yeah, I'm I'm just wondering if the kit was maybe pony as well. Or... It might have been, but the, I remember um, another Spanish make as well, and then the name escapes me at the minute, but a lot of the reserves wore the kind of boots as well. So see these companies, they were trying to go down the football route, yeah. although they are high-top basketball yeah. shoes or whatever, you know. I mean, they, they, they do make quite a, a deal. I mean, they've got the American flag there, and it says direct from the USA, blah, blah, blah. So they're, they're making a, a big deal, of, which is unusual for a, well, football magazine um, to associate it with anything American because there's, yeah. a, there's a, a snobbery when it comes to that, you know, the, the soccer and the MLS and things like that. So... I guess maybe the, the tide was changing a wee bit. Maybe it was the, everything else. Maybe there was... Um, would have been American football and that were maybe starting to become a bit popular back then as well. That's right. Washington Redskins and that and all that kind of stuff. It was only telly. Yeah, it was Sunday. being on Sunday night. Aye, aye. So yeah. maybe that was leading to this as well, that people needed things like that. Okay, Tom, is there anything else you want to ask at the moment? Well, I was going to ask uh, Ali... So towards the end of your career, Ali, you came back to Clydebank, and I think Clydebank was a very different club at the time when you returned to it than it was when you left. Yeah, that's right. Derek Ferguson and yeah, John Viola and all his crew kind of took over, didn't he? Um, yeah. We had the we had we had the super, We were the Galacticos, the <laughs> level league we were in. When you look at some of the guys that played for us, you know, you had um, Big Willie Faulkner was there, Robert McKinnon, yeah, um, Derek obviously. Um, uh, we Badger, hi uh, Paul Kinnear, we Burkey, the the who else? Anil, uh, Northern Ireland manager, Darren Jackson. Darren Jackson, the we had all sorts. Big Kenny Brannigan, we had all sorts playing for us. Joe Muller, the T play. Joe Muller yeah. was there. Yeah, um, he, uh, some of the younger guys coming through. Gow, Gow's always come through at the time. Alan yeah. Gow. I tell you what, I tell you what, like in in the bankies history for. You know, up to the 2000 or whatever, the, the mid 90s, it was like squads are, squads are 20 or 18, 20, and then after it is like 40, 50 every season. It must have <laughs> like been. Henry Smith was there as well. Aye, aye. I think he, what, did he play one game or something, Henry Smith? Or did he play uh, a few? Unbelievable. No, it was great, but you know what? The, the, it was good being there and amongst the guys, and I think me, Derek, made a mistake with that. You mentioned about the squad. He kind of had to rely on some of these guys coming in, the, the kind of guys that had the experience and maybe been played at a higher level. And it didn't work towards the end because we were winning that league at one point. And he should have, he said to me, he should have stuck with the tried and trusted, you know, and might have, maybe have won promotion that year. But it was good being back there and getting a couple of goals. And it was actually, a, I think I captained the last game. I was a captain, right. so... And I think okay. it might have been against Berwick Rangers. Tom might be able to tell me, but um, I can remember getting my 40 taken. It was the last game. Derek says, you take them. So it was a bit of a privilege for me doing that, obviously, because 20-odd years before, I'd kind of started out in the early 80s with, with the bank, with the old mm. bankies then. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so this, this wouldn't have been at Kabowie. Well, what's, your, what's your memories of the actual the ground? Because it it's a really tight pitch, it. isn't it? Loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved um, hitting... The, the club behind yeah. the goal, you know, oh, the, yeah, the, the, the curtains there. The bankies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but always, it's funny, guys, because I always remember, just at the time you were talking about earlier on, and, and it's maybe fitting in with the, the magazine, I remember us playing Aberdeen in the midweek game, and Alex Ferguson come down, and he walked through the Davy Cooperstone, where the club was, mm. right around looking at all the seats, 
walking up and then checking the benches because Clayton Bank obviously had the all-seated stadium kind yeah. of thing. And I was like, what's he doing? And somebody says, he's obviously just looking at all the seats and things because Batordia wouldn't have been all seated at the time. Yeah. And I remember him checking all the seats and going round the whole park. I mean, he walked right round the whole park. Yeah. Fergie, aye, before we played a game. Um, I can't even score. I probably get the program up the stairs, but they were they were full of decent decent players as well at that time. But he was still there, and it was just can I annoy him a wee bit, you know, before he went on and done his stuff in Man United. The, the, the more you hear about him and stuff like that, it, it just it, it, everything was about football, wasn't it? He was just thinking yeah. about everything, probably constantly thinking about things, thinking about new ways of doing things. Yeah, and, you know. Maybe he was just walking around with his thoughts or something like that, or as you maybe suggested, maybe that's what led to Pataudry getting the all-seater after. Been, you know, he was. I remember because the obviously the the, the the Cooper stand seats in that didn't match the rest of the park. Yeah, they were just wooden benches, but they were proper seats. And and I always remember playing there, and that was never full. That but the supporters didn't get into that. But the, see the 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 Cooper stand there. It, it was like it was too tight for even as a wee boy. Yeah, your your knees were right, right. You know, so and you were stuck in the corner. Aye, and so wasn't it? I, I don't I don't like. Firstly, I don't like watching a game from behind the goal. But yeah, that corner bit. No, um, I always liked it. Well, you know, when I used to go, I was started off. I was pr- probably been at twelve or something like that. And you know, going to football, a lot of it, you're just watching the crowd and things like that. So mm-hmm. you want to be over the other side, and then obviously. You've got the away fans and the the home fans, and then the fans in between the two. So you want to be up there, just yeah. so you can really watch people. But you know, obviously, some of the crowds we got, there was just like a wee wee huddle of people on either side. But that's right. I, I loved it. I loved the ground. Um, Brilliant. I can I can remember when you were we were playing against and you stepped up and you get a chance with the first team or the first team were playing a bounce game or whatever and you were involved. It was a type of part where. When you're breathing out your backside, the ball can I come back on as quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A bit like Tannadice was, mm. you know, at the time. You know, the ball used to a fur hill, that big wall round one side of the park. You would try and clear the ball and it would come back on and somebody would take a quick throw in before you get your second breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was the days before the, the, the what they call it, the, the revolving ball, what did they call it? When they... Well, do you remember that as well, then, guys? Do, do you remember that when I remember going to games, obviously before I played that young boy, and going up to Tannadice and going up to Arbroath and going to all different games. But then, whatever way you were shooting, you just walked in, hmm. just walked in the other behind the goal. Aye. And imagine doing that now. No, but well, I mean, you know, we we still follow Clyde Bank and the, the juniors, and you can do that there. We, right. we do it all the time. It, but you know, you, you're in amongst the other fans as well. That's right. I mean, probably Auckland Lex about the only one that you you don't really get. Um, yeah. You know, you still keep separated, but but yeah. you know, you still do that. You still say, right, let's go over the other side. Aye, okay, let's go. Aye. Juniors has Juniors has been brilliant. I've said it before. It's um it's revitalised my my um enthusiasm for the actual game today. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I'm st- I'm stuck in the past with all the nostalgia stuff, but it's because People, people aren't as um, mad when it comes to they, they can step back and look at things with a wee bit of perspective. Whereas uh-huh. now it's like they're caught up in the moment, they're caught up in the passion, and they're caught up in just stupidity at times. It's like I can't, I can't deal with that because it's just too raw. Yeah. Whereas the juniors is is giving me back that right. Okay, I'm actually enjoying in the moment. Yeah. 
So, you know, obviously things are afoot to, to change that to a certain degree, you know, with the West of Scotland um, pyramid system yeah. thing. But um, I, I, hopefully it won't lose that sort of magic that it's got. I don't think it will, because I was over at Curtin Tullock Rob Roy a few weeks ago doing a week in a question answer thing, and it was a wee afternoon for raising funds. Hmm. And they were asking me that question, and my question, that my answer was, sorry, was um, it's still cutting to Rob Roy guys. It's just a different header at the top of the league. You'll not lose your history when you get to the pyramid. You're still cutting to It's only going to benefit you. I can remember doing a game for a newspaper, guys. It was Bonnie Rig Rose against Turf, and the winners got Hibs in the Scottish Cup a few years back. And big, um, the big boy Horn was the manager of Bonnie Bonnie Rig at the time. And I asked him after it, what do you think of the pyramid thing? Obviously, he's got Bride involved. And he says, I'll take one junior team to go and the rest will just batter in. And the east of Scotland have done it quicker than the west of Scotland. But it seems to be the way forward now to try and improve, not only for the football club, but for the community. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. So just a bit about what's happening with yourself. So you, you were, I know you were doing a lot for um, working on rock sport, but that's... That's a raw story. That's a bit raw. Yeah, I've, 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 seen, I've, seen, a, I've seen a few. Um, we won't talk about it, but I've seen a few things no, no, online. It's been, it was an experience. It was yeah. good. Enjoyed it. That was a few years I've done that. Mm-hmm. I used to um, go on a Wednesday night, then go to training with BSC Glasgow. Yep. And then when I was at East Bride FC, I would nip in there as well and do the thing. So it kind of worked for me. Um, I've done a few radio things as well, mm-hmm. whatever game I was covering for the newspaper. But unfortunately, guys. As you know, the newspaper are still covering the kind of lower leagues now. Just the championship and the rest of the leagues are yeah. fell away. So, which I think is a disgrace, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. I think guys still read reports on football, especially lower league football, mm-hmm. league one, league two, juniors, lowland league, whatever. So, so what is it is it coaching or not scouting or something that you're doing at the minute? Um, I'm working with an agent. Um, doing certain things but I'm over at Albion Rovers I'm helping Kevin and Big Joe McLaughlin over there at the minute so obviously not just because of the situation yeah, but yeah. the problem I have got is the Saturday away games I don't make a lot of them because I'm working my Saturday morning so mm-hmm. but home games not a problem so that's the only thing having a Saturday job doesn't help you know but good bunch of guys over there good yeah. young boys that want to do their best unfortunately no sitting in a great position in the league at the minute mm-hmm. but you look at the finances of that league and it tells you, you, know, you just you look at the top and look at the bottom, it tells you the teams at the top will get more money than the fans at the bottom, guys. You know, that's how it works. That's how it works. Some, somebody's got to be at the bottom, haven't they? They have, and it's all about pressure and survival, isn't it? And you see these teams coming up for the Lowland League, obviously, mm. and they've got a few quid. Some of these Kelties and things like that are coming up. And Bonnie Rig are, are there, obviously. Yeah. So, um, well, it's quite exciting. Quite exciting to see you where these clubs, these community clubs go. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you keep yourself busy then and still in football? Yeah, I, I still doing my bit. Obviously missing the reporting on a Saturday. Um, whether that comes back or not, I don't know. I think the newspapers, as you know, have kind of fallen a wee bit flat in the face, you know, but um, no, they're going to watch. We've got a number of players at Arc Sport. We've got over 50, 60 players, so try and pick games where I can go and watch them as much as I can and then go to the Albion Overs game with it at home. Mm-hmm. So enjoying it, still enjoying my football. So who, what's, who's that with? What's the name of that? Arc Sport. Arc Sport? Yeah. A friend of mine, Stuart McGregor, he started up, so I can I work with him and I've got a few players on my books at the minute. So Okay. If there's any links of that to a website or stuff or a Twitter page, then we'll get it off you and we'll share it on the 
on the website. Yep. If that's all right. Um, so I'm just going to finish off. So we 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 partner up with a, a charity partner for each of the seasons we do, and a charity partner for the first season and the second season, which is what this podcast will bring around, is, is back on side, which you you may well be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things we we try and do is, or for each podcast, we also have a, a corresponding web page that we set up, and it's it's all the stuff from the magazine. So it's the pages, it's links about other things that we talk about. So it might be you know links to the go- YouTube's of the goals from the the cup final and things like that. So we, we we try and put everything in the page so that you can listen to the podcast, follow it on the page, and you can you know it gives you a bit more context. But what we do is we we have a donate button, and you can donate. And for every pound you donate, um, it gives you a raffle ticket, a virtual raffle ticket. And the competition, the prize for that is we will, the actual magazine that we've been speaking about. So that'll be in there. And we'll throw in some other stuff as well, some other goodies, you know, other stuff from the collection and things like that as well. So for every pound that gets donated, you basically get an entry into that that draw. And for every pound, 50% of that will go to back on side. And 50% will come to the podcast to help it running. Now, I will say at this point, we've not had many donations, so unfortunately we've not been able to really support back on side other than, you know, giving them shout-outs and, you know, hopefully a bit of publicity and getting people pushed towards them. Um, But I'm just going to read out a wee bit of literature about them here. So here in the UK, one in four people will experience a mental health illness each year. Mental health includes a person's emotional, psychological and social well-being. An obvious widespread problem Yet it's estimated that only a quarter of sufferers receive ongoing treatment, leaving the majority of the UK population tackling these debilitating issues on their own. Here at Back On Side, we have recognised this ongoing, ongoing dilemma and are determined to rebuild a society where no young person or adult is left tackling mental health problems alone. So as I always say, at Back On Side on Twitter, if you don't donate anything, then at least you know go follow them, give them some support, you can donate directly to them um, but you know even just retweeting um, giving them support helping out if you can that that'd be absolutely great so you know if nothing else go follow them and give them whatever help you can um, the other show we're going to do so we'll say a special thank you to Pete Wiley of the Mighty Wah are you aware of Pete? Yeah. so Story of the Blues is a, the music for our show so in, in the start and the end we do Story of the Blues and Pete has given us um, permission to use that which is absolutely great so you can catch up with Pete on www.petewiley.co.uk so you can check out details of upcoming gigs whenever they start happening again and new music. And we'd also like to thank our producer Diane Jarden who has always great support and great work in helping us out in the podcast. And so you can check out www.transmissionroom.co.uk which is a, a music recording and rehearsal facility in Clybank and it's it's a you know great service that... that that Diane does there, a lot of support, really helpful. So if you're looking for that sort of thing, www.transmissionroom.co.uk. So on that, I'd just like to thank you for putting up with my my technical issues. Magic. Yeah, it doesn't normally happen. Honestly, we're really professional. Don't worry about that. Yeah, but no, listen, it's it's been I've been dying to get you onto the show for for absolutely ages, but um, it's, it's great to meet you eventually as well you know there's so many so many people on, on twitter that you know you feel you know and it's like so thank you for joining well, well, us listen andy i've got loads and loads of 40s area things that i've got up the stair and things mm. and whatever i thought you can i'll 
send you the photos and you can yeah. use them, tweet them Brilliant. in. After. Some good photos, you know. Yeah, you, you, you know how you know how to button me up. <laughs> that's, that's what's all about. Listen, I've got stacks and stacks of programs. I'll through a few of them, you know, but mm. I don't know how far I get back to my clean bank days right now because it was all black and white ones in the days, you know. That's all, it only was black and white. Only was black and white. <laughs> No, listen, thank you for joining us. Um, it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and so from me, people listening, hope you enjoy the podcast. As always, share it with your friends, follow us, tweet us, contact us, interact with us, all that stuff. Just like to thank Tom for being Tom. Thanks, Andy. like to thank Ali for being Ali. Thank you. And I'd like to say thank you for everyone. Until the next time, let's shoot the breeze. <laughs>